talking about them good old days songs, movies, radio plays Conjuring up the old-time ways in Dad's Attic We are off and running. Yes. Okay, testing, testing. <laughs> I think we got it. All right. And what <laughs> is the it that we have? What are you talking about now? Well, How it's been a little while, and I'm excited to be back. Yeah. Um, yeah. We both battled the, the virus, and now we are Yeah. And when you're down, it. when you're down for the count like that and, and not feeling well, you tend to do things like read, listen, mm-hmm. and all those things lead to more material for us. Right. Today. So that's right. good. Yeah. I've got a lot. Exactly. Been doing a lot. Um, very little viewing. I don't know why. Mm. I didn't want to watch movies or, or watch TV. I was listening to things mm. a lot, listening to music, listening to radio shows. Yeah. And reading a lot. I don't know. So... Um, the funny thing is I've been listening to, of course, I've got this thing with the couple next door, which I can't continue talking about that one show all the time, but I have been listening to it every day, just about, I'll listen to mm. one or two. I'm kind of stringing them out, the shows from the late fifties. And again, I'm struck by how well written it was and how much fun it is. These ones from the late fifties. Primarily, it's it's Peg Lynch and Alan Bunce and their family. You know that what the the back and forth of that they, that they go through. Their little daughter um, is involved. Yep, Betsy. And then they have this Aunt Effie, who's not in all the shows, but she's been mm-hmm. in a lot of them that I've been listening to lately. And that's Margaret Hamilton. Oh, so is it's, it? I didn't. It's just a delight. That. Yeah, they're huh? friends, I think. Peg Lynch and Margaret Hamilton. Wow. And, uh, and she, if if you aren't aware, is the is the Wicked Witch from <laughs> yes, the Wizard, Wizard of, Oz. of Oz, and it's fun to hear her voice. That was twenty years after the movie was made, but here she's playing a different role, right? And she's this kind aunt. I guess I never really, maybe I knew that in the past and forgot or didn't really oh, yeah. catch that. But that's really cool. She's good. Well, the episode that just tickled me the other day, and I was listening to it here again. Oh. The word, the term situation comedy is thrown around a lot, and people sometimes forget, I think. I forgot what it really, really is supposed to mean. And on these shows of The Couple Next Door, they're great illustrations of what a situation comedy ought to be. These are 15-minute shows. Mm-hmm. I think there was a time when they did a half hour, but almost all the ones that I can remember are 15 minutes. And you just get this little snapshot of what's yeah. going on in their family. And Peg Lynch somehow, very quickly, creates a situation. And it's so well done that you can kind of, the listener can really kind of quickly get a grasp on what's going on for each person involved in the situation. So the one that, this, that made me laugh so much the other day was they were, it was the middle of the night. Peg and Alan are in bed, sleeping. And Aunt Effie is staying over, and she comes knocking on the door at like 2.30 in the morning. She's concerned because she thought she heard a thump up in the attic. So there's your situation. (laughs) (laughs) So Peg elbows Alan and says, Aunt Effie says there's a thump up in the attic. 
and he's like, I don't know. He just kind of blows it off. He's tired. He's half asleep still. And he's, he says, you know, tell her it's our gorilla that we keep up there. Probably that's just our gorilla, you know, <laughs> make some joke of it. Well, Aunt Effie kind of persists and says she's real nervous. And you can hear all this going on. So Peg has to wake him up again to go up and check it out, you know. He's... <laughs> And you can hear, you can feel the concern that Aunt Effie has. Peg is in the middle, kind of like mm-hmm. agreeing with him, you know. And then you get him, who just he just cracks me up. I don't know. <laughs> he says at one point, "Oh, for the love of Mike, there's nobody in the attic." <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so funny. <laughs> and just to think about he's being told to do go up and look yeah. in the attic because Aunt Effie thinks there's something up. It's just ridiculous. I find it interesting too because I remember as a as a teen. Loving that show, and then never, I didn't realize at the time that Lucille Ball had a show, a radio show, before she went on TV. And I remember discovering that and thinking, wow, this is really <laughs> cool. It's in the, in the way it's kind of similar to Couple Next Door, but there's something pretty fundamentally different about them, too. Oh, yeah. You know, that one's called My Favorite Husband. And I think that it's. I don't know. I, I, I kind of, in some ways they have parallels and in others they don't. And it's interesting to think for some reason Lucy's version stood out more and ended up becoming um, yeah. popularized enough to go on to TV for many years. And, and I don't understand. I don't, I, I haven't analyzed it enough. It's, it's probably silly to, to think, to compare those two and, and to think one should be better than the other or whatever. I just, in my mind right now, I'm remembering the couple next door as being this, this great fun show yeah and i don't when i hear an episode of my favorite husband it's fun and amusing yeah. but it's, it's not the same yeah it's i don't i agree i don't think that one is better than the other i'm mm-hmm. not saying that i'm saying there is something some formula that's a little different there's almost more of a slapstick mm-hmm. quality to the lucy version she gets into these outlandish situations yes. yeah so. These are way more realistic, and there's no laugh track or anything. It's very right. much like a, like you said, a snapshot of their real lives. Yeah. But I think there's clearly something. The reason I bring up the Lucy thing is because of that, um, that biopic kind of thing you told yeah. me about a while back. Being the Ricardos, did you watch that? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was it was worth watching. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I was pretty critical of that part where they did the old time radio thing. I I thought they did a pretty decent job. They they I'm not sure what you're referring to. No. When they 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 talked about my favorite husband yeah. within that movie, mm-hmm. which I was very proud of. I thought, thought thank you for not just you know often they past do that. often the obituaries of these famous yep. people just kind of ignore that whole I part of their that. career. I appreciated that. However, yeah. I thought that the they kind of got it, but they lost some of the essence with the they had these singers doing the Jello song. Oh. oh the big red letters stand for you know that thing they didn't have as much pep as the real ones with meredith wilson and the announcer too was a little stodgy the guy on on um my favorite husband for real was way more like lively oh, than that wow. guy well so yeah they should have had should... you as their advisory panel or something they did a decent job i thought maybe i should give him a chance i don't know i'm glad they included it at all <laughs> but it made me think, actually, while watching that, I would like to put this in our jar for some time. I think we should talk about announcers. Hmm. Um, because there are some that are, were just wonderful. I've been listening to a lot of Henry Aldrich lately, and that announcer is great. Ah. Did you ever listen to that guy? Well, What's I, his name I again? I have, but uh, I'm not mindfully. 
dance. Seymour, I think. Oh. He is so... His dialect is so fun to listen to. The one that I've been kind of tickled with lately is... is, Or I use the word tickle again, but I I was... (laughs) Is um, Art Gilmore, who... I think you met him with me, or was the one of the times I went out to New York with with you or with my brother Bruce. I met Art Gilmore. He was an elderly man then. He was an announcer back in the old days. He did a lot of different shows, um, and I know that I met him because I re- remember him being there. And I actually have a, a radio script with his signature on wow. it. So he gave me his autograph. <laughs> but he's cool. he's the announcer on on. Uh, Highway Patrol. Every day <laughs> oh, when I watch you Highway, highway Patrol. Patrol. <laughs> oh. The Highway Patrol. You got this big, this big uh, authoritative voice, you know. I think we should do announcers. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh sure. Ah. Oh. It's fun to scour through the credits on these mm-hmm. old TV shows and other movies and and find these names from yeah. from these uh, from the past. Because those, for recognize. some reason, those are kind of you know it's. You hear them at the beginning and the end of these shows, and but maybe don't pay as much attention to them. But they really, they they introduce, they tie it all up. They sure. they're big pieces of the puzzle. They so. were in, there was a big demand for them too. That's mm. why so many of them, you will hear, hear them on different shows right. because yeah. they wanted, you know, Don Wilson or, mm-hmm. or uh, Harlow Wilcox. Or, right. Yeah. Another one I would like to add to the jar too is Meredith Wilson. I would like to learn more about him. He was a, he had a big role on the Burns and Allen show. Yep. Yep. As, as the band leader. Or yeah. Whatever. But he in the midst of that he wrote the Music Man. You know. <gasps> so yeah, wow. They think he was he was moderately famous as a radio announcer. Yeah. And then he did that, and that was like. Yeah. There must have been something else. He was pretty multifaceted because he's announcing, and he was the guy with all the Jello stuff. Ah. And Burns and Allen. Hmm. I mean, he was on a lot of different shows. He was on Henry Aldridge. So. Yep. There's that. Who was the guy on Jack Benny show? Malin Merrick. He was the. Oh. He was actually the orchestra leader. Phil Harris. Well, didn't really lead oh. the orchestra. Yeah, this Malin Merrick hmm. did, and uh, he was in part of the some of the plots later on. He, they they brought him in and he, huh. you could hear his voice. He's the one. He his big claim to fame in the middle of being the, kind of a. Not a very well-known music guy on radio. He wrote and got real famous for doing this this uh, rousing football huh. piece of the. It was part of some ad campaign. Oh my goodness! Um, college football games would play it, and I don't know. He was wow. It was uh, quite the big thing to to make your splash doing that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think. Whoop. Whoa! What in Whoop. the world? It got stuck. Do that again. There. <laughs> We're off the topic. Okay. <laughs> Let's get on the topic. What's... What else is new that's old? Oh. Um, well, it, similarly to you, I've been listening to a lot of shows. Each night before I go to bed, I've been listening to Our Miss Brooks. Good one. Yep. And it's it's just, I don't know. I love that one so much. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> very easy to get wrapped up in those stories you know i think it's very unique that they had this female teacher you know working woman as the main person the whole time and sure she was trying to pursue mr boyton the science teacher but it wasn't i don't know she's independent and i loved the dynamic between mrs davis her landlady and her and she's just i agree i think it was really 
pretty unique and a nice change. And maybe that's why you like Couple Next Door so much, because it stands out. It's not the same housewife, husband. There's a different thing there that maybe that's why My Favorite Husband isn't quite the same. Or There's certain shows. There are some shows from the old days, the 40s or the 50s, that took a kind of a path where when we listen to them today, you groan. Well, you know, th- these shows you're naming took a different path. And there was, you know, back then it was probably unusual mm-hmm. for these women to have these kinds of uh, roles or these kinds of um, positions. Right. In writing them and directing right. and all that. And I mean, so today it. we like that, of course. And, and that's why they appeal to us probably. Yeah. They're, they're just, they're... You know, it was hard back it's then different. to foresee that these things were going to be. Yeah. The, 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 the you, if you did. had a show, like, think about, we got Burns and Allen, that's husband and wife. My favorite husband, husband and wife. The Halls of Ivy, husband and wife. Yep. You know, it's it's like, if you have that set up, it's got to be special and different in some way, right? You can't just, I mean, I think we talked about Life with Elizabeth last time, and I... I I could. I thought, okay, it's sort of funny, but it doesn't really stand up to the test of time because they just had these same old tropes about how a dynamic is in the household. You know, mm-hmm. even Life of Riley. Sometimes there'd be like a, yeah. you know, just kind of a traditional setup. This is, you know, the wife is a bad driver or something like that. Yes, and, you know, yes. this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah. bleh. It's, it's, it gets boring, you know? Back then it might have been humorous, and yeah. now we see it as really Every episode dull. of Our Miss Brooks, though, is exciting because there's no... That was not a very traditional setup on other shows, so yeah. each one was unique. There's What's not cool one... about it is she was a high school English teacher on the show, and... Eve Arden was just an actress playing the part, but she was often invited to speak at these teachers' conventions and things, and she would do it. <laughs> she became a huge advocate for teachers. Well, and she was the principal cool. on Grease. Oh, wow. She played the principal. I thought that was so cool. I think that happened a lot, though. I think, you know, I'm not sure about this, but I can imagine Jack Webb was often invited to be at the police. Sure whatever you know these these speaking at these police gatherings lone ranger was always up speaking at those <laughs> cowboy conventions <laughs> oh. Oh, <man. laughs> speaking of jack webb here's another new yeah. thing that's old for me this has been kind of a hit and miss and a little bit of gold and a lot of a lot of uh <laughs> dirt and gravel but I've been listening. What could it be? I've been listening to these old radio samplers that I have had. I've had them for a long time. I had disc full of little um, lesser-known radio shows. They're just kind of a compilation of all these different shows. Some of them are just—they're terrible right from the start. I don't listen to them. They're just kind of—I don't know—news shows with some kind of heavy theme. I, I just—I'm not listening to that. But some of them were kind of fun. They were. Um, I'd never heard of them, but I thought, well, I'll listen to this. Yeah. There were things like Bishop and Gargoyle. <laughs> Bishop. I wonder how, I, I have to do some research on this. Apparently it was a show that was on for a while. Hmm. And the, the Bishop character was actually a bishop in the church <laughs> who had an interest in crime fighting. And, 
Bishop would go to visit this gargoyle frequently in prison. And when Gargoyle got out of prison, finally served his sentence, the two of them teamed up and became crime fighters or or not crime fighters, but crime solvers. You know, they were go around and, and Is this uh, real? detectives. No. Oh. Just made up. The storyline. But I wonder if, you know, Father Brown might have influenced this or if Father Brown came in laughter. That was just one show that I found in this sampler. There were other ones. This, there was one called Strollin' Tom. Oh. <laughs> Some sanctimonious blowhard. Oh. He's walking down and he's telling you these these little stories that are made, supposed to make you feel better about life. And, and then he'd sing some song. I'm glad that show didn't take off. I don't know. There's another one I found called The Adventures of Uncle Jimmy. And oh. I have an Uncle Jimmy. <laughs> But that was a lousy show. It's a soap opera. Oh. The Adventures of <laughs> there, How about Our Gal Sunday? Another soap opera. I've heard of it before, but I listened to one, and whoa. It was on for a long time, like 15 or 20 years, so people must have liked it. But here's, I wrote down a couple of the things that just mm-hmm. struck me. There's the dialogue where this woman actually said this in in a back and forth with this other character. Your brother, Ambrose Fairbrook III, blah, 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 blah. Why would you have to repeat the guy's name? If you're talking to the person's brother, you know, it's only a lazy way of making the plot clear to the listener or something, you know. There's another one in the same show. Then it was just a story trumped up by his sister, Amelia Delaware. You know, would you really have to repeat that whole... First and last name, it's just full of that. Oh. <laughs> and my favorite, or at first my least favorite, but then I did a little research on it, Pat Novak for Hire. Okay, yeah, I know that. Which I'd heard of before. Yeah. I think I've listened to it, but I did not mindfully. Sure. But here's this one, Pat Novak for Hire. It struck me that the writer for this show was trying to copy... James M. Cain, or one mm-hmm. of these famous crime or uh, mystery writers. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these radio people did that. These writers, like Richard Diamond, was full of really well-done little similes and things. And yeah. Fun to listen to. Pat Novak for Hire. Wow. This is what I've heard on the episode that I just listened to, where he's in his office, and he, he's the narrator of the story, too. He's a kind of a detective out in San Francisco. And here's how he starts this, this scene. It was almost dark, and I was sitting in the office with the door open when she first showed up. Showed up was the right word. She was young, and from what I could see, she made Cleopatra look like Apple Mary. She had a voice like a bowl of warm stew. <laughs> <laughs> oh! I was like, just I just cringed. I was listening to this. I thought, what is this? But <laughs> but the thing is, I did a little research on this. It was that that was the that was Jack Webb playing that it was, oh. it was like his first big role in radio, and he played Pat Novak, and he's just tough, yeah, smart mouth back and forth, with sure. a, you know, banter all the time, and this was all written by this guy named Richard Breen, hmm. who I don't really know of, but they were famous for this. Um, people listened just to hear this 
this lousy <laughs> stuff, you know, with these similes that are yeah. just like off the charts. Yeah. There was one. So they knew it was kind of a goofy thing too? Yeah. Okay. That makes it feel a little better. And then when, but then uh, at some point, Jack Webb moved off and did something else and they replaced him on that show with somebody else and people there was a big up, uproar about it bring him back you know and the, the writer too went they were they wanted this back so they actually did another show similar to it hmm. where they had that same kind of writing here's another thing i caught a glimpse of the license plate in a dull surprised way the way you grab a feather out of an angel's wing so, I mean, these were probably people who were listened just to hear that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, and they ran with it. I think huh. these, they just like, let's think of another. It makes me think a little bit of Rocky Fortune too, when you're describing this, because that was not quite, maybe not quite the same, but he was full of that stuff too. Yes. A lot of these shows. Yeah. There, it's that whole thing about, she had a voice like a bowl of warm stew. <sighs> There's a lot of that yeah. in old radio shows. Yeah. Um, similar. Well, I mean, I think about that though. You gotta, you can't rely at all on, on looking at some, <laughs> somebody. You gotta describe it with words. There's only so many words you can pick from. Oh god. And it's interesting that they came up with that character because I think a lot of you know people who maybe aren't that well educated on old time radio themselves have maybe if they have some idea of it, they might think of that. That ah. that kind of sure. character stands stands the test of time because it's so outrageous, you know. Yeah, and then add a little organ, yeah, dramatic right. organ. That's what people think of old time right. radio. Yeah, there's very little of that actually. Yeah, that's probably not the main thing we think of. Yeah, but the soap operas did it a lot. Well, think of even that that um, song that by the Bonzo Dog Band. I'm the big shot. Yes. Yeah. That makes me think of. Of maybe oh, a sure. version of that, you know, yeah. the dramatic <laughs> little, right? I guess I do right, right away what you're talking about. <laughs> At first, I thought, "What's she talking about?" <laughs> I am the big their, shot. Their take on, yeah, one of those old shows, maybe. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Huh. Well, that sampler has been fun. I'm nearly to the end of it now. There's just there's a lot of shows that I'd never heard of, and I wondered mm. what's this one about. And, right. And maybe do a little research and find out more. Um, That's so cool. Scatter Good Banes. That was another show. <laughs> I mean, how uh, obvious do they have to make it? Scatter Good is his first name, and that's what he he does. He's kind of this very uh, uh, saintly kind of a guy <laughs> who goes. <laughs> uh, he gets yeah. people out of fixes by doing these little <laughs> psychological suggestions, and you know, it doesn't he doesn't make them do it, but he's, he's, he's he gets them through. Sounds like little... you don't like those kind very much. Those aren't, <laughs> you let prefer the crime guys. And the... I love Richard Diamond. I think Richard Diamond's a well-written show. It's yeah. fun, fun. To, uh, sometime I'll I, I will put together a few uh, examples of the things he says. Much yeah. like she yeah. had a voice like a bowl of warm stew he has some things that just are fun when he but says they're them. actually they're better written or what yes yep mm. and they, they kind of they kind of flesh out his part or his mm. his character he's so unlike me that's why i kind of like him ah he's just he's tough you know he's he's, he's, <laughs> he's he gets he gets beat up once in a while but he'll he'll tough 
talk tough to some guy and punch him down. Yeah. And he's got these women all around him all the time. And, <laughs> and uh, Richard Diamond is just that character where yeah. he's, just, he's just this smooth-talking, fast-talking, kind of a smart-ass kind of a guy. Yeah. Well, uh, do you want to talk about um, the different things we've studied this week? The things we Go ahead. I want, hear, I want to hear yours. Yeah, your I was... On, uh, on, uh, Catcher in the Rye, yeah, right? it was yeah. interesting. So this was the second second attempt at reading that book. I think I had tried reading it a few years ago, and I Catcher got Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye yeah. by J.D. Salinger, and I think I didn't have the patience for it. I think in the past, I mean, um, I remember at that point I was trying to read a lot of classics because I just was curious why they were so popular, and I I remember I had finished The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. And then started reading this one, and I was fed up. The Bell Jar was really good, but it was kind of similar. This, you know, very apathetic person who can't hmm. seem to be happy with no matter what. And it's like, come on, there's more to love about life. This time, though, reading this book, I didn't feel that way. I remember the point at which I had given up the first time, and uh. I didn't feel that way this time. I didn't feel like dropping it. So that hey, was this kind can of happen. This is why people shouldn't say, I tried reading that book and I hated it. Right. You know, go back to it and try it right. again. Yeah, I think it's totally a different through. mindset. Yeah. I think this time I realized how valuable it must have been for so many young people growing up. Hmm. It This is something kind of silly, but I was thinking that, you know, last, last week you and I talked about the word gee whiz from mm-hmm. the Aldrich family. They say it so often. And I thought, wow, this is... This book was written around the same time those shows were out, <laughs> and it's such a vastly different portrayal of a teen, you know. And it, and it's um, I thought to myself, wow, this is, this might be a better indication. Older Caulfield of... versus Henry Aldrich, right? Yeah. They're very different, and I think it's it shows the type of, you know, I'm sure some teens liked Henry Aldrich, but I wonder if a lot of adults <laughs> listen to that, thinking, oh, this is how kids should be, yeah, yeah. you know. And when really. Kids were feeling this angst and that stuff. That happens a lot. Yeah. And then I thought, wow, I wonder if the teens who read this book grew up and were the ones who were propelling or promoting the beatnik generation a few years later. In the late 50s, maybe they were the ones down in those comedy cellars and jazz places. Interesting. You know? maybe. Yeah. I mean, this is... Maybe they read this and felt like there's a place for me too. But you know the thing, just the just the, as a fact, I mean, it, it, the mainstream teenagers were probably reading both these books, Catcher in the Rye and On the Road. Mm. On the Road was published in 1957, but it's describing things that happened like 1946, 47, mm. 48, 49. So some of the stuff was happening before right. we sometimes think. Right. Know. In the research I did about the book. It said that not only was it the most studied book in schools, hmm. it also was the most censored book in schools. Wow. At the same time. Wow. Isn't that interesting? And I think that shows the co- complexity of what people, per- how they were taking it. They wanted it and they didn't want it at the same time, you know? Well, we have like a schizophrenic yeah. society. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like if you happen to be lucky enough to be in a classroom where the teacher understood the benefits of this. And that book was in the hand of of that guy who shot John Lennon. He wasn't the only one. The one who attempted to take um, Ronald Reagan's life had it. And um, Mm. what was the other one? There was another murderer who killed... 
oh, some boy. actress, I think, hmm. who also had it or claimed he loved that book. Oh, jeez. But maybe, I mean, that's an interesting thing, too, to Misfits. think. Right. People wow. who, he, he was, this kid in this book was so judgmental toward everyone else. Yeah. And kind of to himself. Hmm. But, I mean. But you enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought, it um, it was, I thought there were some, some pretty. Too many years have gone by and attitudes have changed. And, yeah. You know, and, yeah. I still think it probably would was aimed towards somebody in a different, I mean, I don't think I needed it the way yeah. it, at one point it might have been more meaningful but well imagine you know that's 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 uh you know just you have to kind of put yourself back in those days yeah you know, when that was written so i think it's interesting that they that often people who were trying to censor it did so because of the bad language hmm. and yet in the book he even struggles with that because he's always being told not to swear by people mm-hmm. you know he'll swear and somebody will correct him and then he comes across the f word on a wall and freaks out and can't stand that that's there mm. and yet he, it just shows he's flawed and he hates it and he keep he's struggling back and forth with what's right and wrong it just shows how complicated people are well and salinger himself you know was had an interesting life story here's this book i picked up in marquette michigan mm. when i was last there um read a lot of it but not Called. all of it Salinger. Salinger. It's quite the story just by himself mm. and how, what a recluse he was. Yeah, and, yeah, they said after he started gaining fame for this, he really retreated because he couldn't handle that. And he mm. requested that his photo be taken off the back of it because he hated seeing it out mm. and about. I guess we should switch gears and talk about... Lieber and Stoller. It's what a, little, a cool... A little different. Com- yeah, com- I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I always associate them with the, with these two songwriters with the coasters. And I knew they did other things too, but now that I did a little bit of just a little bit of research, I found out all this information. Hmm. These two guys were amazing. They grew up on the East Coast somewhere. Um, one of them was in Baltimore, one was in New York, but they met in Los Angeles, hmm. and they were both into the same kind of music. It's kind of a rhythm and blues. These were two white Jewish guys, oh. you know, from from uh, uh, you know out east. But then they they got into this music, and they their their first song was actually recorded by Charles Brown. We talked about him some time ago. He was a African American uh, piano player, singer. Really, still I enjoy listening to him a lot. Very very nice music, and he did one of their songs. And then but then they got famous. They wrote they wrote the song Kansas City. Oh. Who, who that's been performed yeah. by so many people. They wrote wow. that. They wrote Hound Dog, huh. which got famous before Elvis. It was that big Mama Thornton had a big hit with it on, on a different market. But then Elvis took it and made it a big hit. Lieber and Stoller wrote Jailhouse Rock. <laughs> Other songs for Elvis like uh, Treat Me Nice. Wow. Love Me, Loving You, On Broadway, Stand By Me. What the heck? Now, now, a lot of these, I'm, I'm getting a little bit crossed up a little bit here. Lieber and Stoller together wrote a lot of songs, and most of those songs that the Coasters had made yeah. famous. Some of these songs I'm naming right now, they might have written, they might have had a third party uh, helping them, uh. but most of the songs I'm listening here are just these two guys. And there were a couple songs that became hits that just Lieber and somebody else wrote, okay. or just Stoller and somebody else wrote. 
Okay. But they're so they're all of them big, big mishmash here. But in you're saying, but the list though is like at least one of them had something to do with the yeah time. yeah Spanish wow. Harlem Young Blood, um, Jackson the song Jackson. What the heck? I'm going the Jackson. Huh. That was Lieber and Stoller. Um, Lieber wrote the lyrics and Stoller did the the music. Huh. And it's just amazing how they did this. And they were actually. They were in what the second batch of inductees to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow! So they really were wow. important in the. In Did the, they play music at all? Or they were just, producers. They okay. were wrote they wrote songs and they may have played, but not the famously. Um, they wrote songs and then later they became producers, especially huh. with these girl groups in the mid '60s. They were big into that. Wow! Um, for the Coasters, they wrote "Searching," "Yakety Yak." <laughs> Little Egypt, Poison <laughs> Ivy, Charlie Brown. Um, oh, they also wrote other songs. Love Potion Number Nine. Is that all there is? What? You know that song? Yes. Yeah. What a is variety. Peggy Lee. That is. Yeah. Um, huh. Along came Jones. I oh. who have nothing. Tom Jones did that oh. song famously later. Huh. D. W. Washburn. You know that yeah. one? The monkeys did it, but before them, some I think the I think the coasters did it. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> so one, yeah. Lieber and Stoller, what a what a duo, and and they're just holy moly! It's it's amazing to me how they did this and what they did. Um, here's one little cool story. I thought in 1955, Stoller and his wife went to Europe, and they were on the Andrea Doria. On the return trip, and that famous, there was a famous shipwreck. Oh, you know? um, a lot of people died. They were rescued, and um, they were on that boat with Edith Piaf, who did one of their songs. Which one? I forget. Oh, um, not one of these yakety yak. <laughs> <laughs> How do you do yakety yak in French? <laughs> early, <laughs> early on in their writing career, they were doing more serious songs. Okay. I think you know. Um, but then they got into this thing where they were doing they were they were famous for putting pop lyrics with rhythm and blues songs. Okay. And it was just like it was just a delightful uh, hit with the kids, especially. Anyway, Stoller was on the Andrea Doria. It sunk. He was rescued, and when he was brought, when he finally made it to New York, Lieber greeted him there by saying, "Hey." Our song Hound Dog is number one. Elvis Presley made it. <gasps> and and uh, Stoller famously said, Elvis who? He didn't know who it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though, because all my life, well, not all my life, but for a long time, I've I've known those names. Yeah. And they're always just kind of thrown around. Always yeah. another song by Lieber and Stoller. Oh, and, <laughs> and, you know, just this little bit of research after all this time, Stoller is still alive. Wow. Lieber died... Eh, 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Um, but yeah. How know, amazing. They're, they're amazing. It'd be just so much fun to have yeah. been with them making these songs, I think. Well, you know? when you rattle off all those song titles, I wouldn't have guessed that the same person who wrote Yakety Yak wrote, you know, <laughs> is that all there is? I know. What in the world? But some of the lyrics today, still, <laughs> I, I just marvel at them. Um, the Even rhyming. the goofy songs. Yeah. Now, think about this. The rhyming <laughs> schemes that usually they get the moon and June and all that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard to come up with a good rhyming. Yeah. How about this? Nothing, strutting, 
Those don't really rhyme, uh-uh. but if you say strutting and nutting instead of nothing <laughs> and strutting and button, yes. you got rhymes there. I know we saw Little you Egypt <laughs> came in strutting, wearing nothing but a button and a bow. I as... remember that as a little kid, not having a clue, and then one time I thought, this is kind of a weird song for me to be listening to. <laughs> It the was the imagery of that of nothing but a button and a bow. I thought, <laughs> how, <laughs> Dad? I know oh. you were little, and I was playing songs like that to you. <laughs> they were funny. Anyway, great wow. salute to the, the Lieber and Do Solar. you think that when they were writing, they must have been considering who they were writing for pretty well because the one the things they made up for the coasters, the, the voices they the the, the coasters had yeah. worked so well with mm-hmm. those, you know. And, and King Curtis playing the sax on all those songs. Oh, wow. They must have, I mean, they, do you think that those those guys worked with them while they wrote yes. them? Or? Yep, because they were the producers on a lot of these songs. Mm. And it said somewhere in, in my research that it took them a lot longer to make these songs than most songs took mm. because they were going for the humor effect. Yes. Yeah. So they would do the song over, they would do it once, they would do it twice, they would do it three times. Then pretty soon they'd say, okay, now we want you to use this other kind of voice. Sure. So instead of just singing it straight, they had to do, you know. Well, think about Charlie Brown. Yeah. With those little voices. and Or any of those, what about us? Or, yeah. Or um, hog, I'm a hog I for you, baby. I love that one. You got to play a... those up. You got to kind of exaggerate right. the, ooh, that, that deeper voice. Yeah. Why is everybody always picking on me? Or yes. they, they've got it. They, they must have worked at that a long time to get it just right. Yes. I know we're not supposed to talk about Jack Benny too much, but he, <laughs> to play the violin really poorly, has mm. to be a pretty decent player, actually. Yeah. Or Spike Jones. I mean, those musicians were amazing. They can't, you couldn't, you couldn't have the timing to do the silly song so well. Yeah. Unless you were an outstanding musician, you, well, it's you probably can't fake a that. little bit like like abstract art too. You know that we're I've you know you you, you hear people saying, "Oh, my kid could paint that." You know, yeah. no, they couldn't. No, they couldn't. Before Picasso made that painting, mm-hmm. he was doing other things that you know. Right. One thing led to another, and you can't just slap together a no. bunch of stuff and call it art. No. But these musicians did that. Yeah. You're right. That's a really good way of putting it. I, th- I think that's it's easy to just kind of blow it off as a silly thing, but if you really listen, yeah, I don't know. It's Spike Jones incredible. is a good example there because I think people might think, oh, they're just goofing around. In order to goof <laughs> around like that, oh, you've got to know what you're doing that, the in the first gung, place. Gung, 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 that guy, <laughs> he was on it, you know. I mean, or they had that one musical instrument where he's playing like a big tuba, but there's every time he blew into the <laughs> instrument, it would make a sound, but it also would make this balloon thing go up in the air, and you know, it's like, jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, Are we honking okay. it? Okay. Well, this should be do our little merry-go-round thing. Speaking of merry-go-rounds, I researched the artwork on Catcher in the Rye, and the most famous covers that picture of a carousel oh. horse because oh. at one point in the book he goes on the carousel with his uh-huh. sister it looks like the horse is way out of control he's going around in this carousel of childhood i see and now he's trying to get out of that i see and he's out of control he doesn't know how, where to go next and that artist is e michael mitchell never heard of him me neither but i looked at a couple of his other pieces of work and they're really cool and so i'd like to learn more
I'm curious about these people who have their name, their first initials is just the initial and then their middle name and then their, because just this past week, I've been kind of teasing my old friends, um, especially my old friend Jim, who loved, when we were kids, he loved the song, Indiana Wants Me. And the singer of that song just passed away. Mm. R. Dean Taylor. Such a, I think it's such an odd name. Why would you, if you're, if you're a famous person, why would you go by that name of all things? R. Dean Taylor. Just, I don't know, just kind of odd. <laughs> now you got E. Michael Mitchell. Well, I don't know. What are you going to do, M. Francis Liana? <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't just, it doesn't seem very natural to do. Boy, we had another surge of deaths lately, huh? Ronnie Spector and oh, yeah. Betty White. Yeah. And R. R. Dean Taylor. Yeah. The big three. Who, <laughs> who, who would have put those three together 30 years ago? But Not I. They're together now. <laughs> um, before we do the little merry-go-round, it happens just naturally anyway. Because yeah. you're talking about, I, I forgot all about the, the passing of Ronnie Spector, but Phil Spector could have come up in my little talk about Lieber well, and Stoller. Yeah. Mike Stoller wrote Spanish Harlem mm. and the co-writer was Phil Spector. Huh. So, wow. Yeah, they, they, we already they, started it. They worked together. Yeah. We already yeah. started our merry-go-round. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of merry-go-round. Some kind of... You jump on, it goes around a few times and you jump off. So. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> <laughs> then, let's do Spanish Harlem. How about the Apollo Theater in Harlem? Mm. Mr. Apollo. Mr. Apollo. Wow, that was, that's such a good song. That's the Bonzo Dog Band. Yeah. And, oh, it's fun. Um, Follow Mr. Apollo. That's another Vivian example Stanchel's of silly songs take. that are not very silly. They're actually quite entertaining and ah. pretty pretty amazing and impressive if you really listen. I've seen Mr. Ma- Mr. Apollo uproot trees with his bare hands. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's see. I'll say Vivian Stanchel. Then I'm going to go with Tubular Bells. Ah, he was the narrator mm-hmm. on that famous piece of music by Mike Oldfield. With the theme of The Exorcist was mainly the mm-hmm. one everybody knew. Let's go with The Exorcist. Okay. Linda Blair was the girl. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty epic scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, you didn't whole, like that very much? Well, it was scary. Everybody was scared to death. It was like 1973, and I remember it was the thing was in the news because mm. there were people getting very upset in the theaters. Oh, wow. Having to be carried out and consoled. And, Holy moly. Oh, I didn't, yeah. I mean. It was bad. Linda Blair. I'll go with Mary Blair. Do you know who that is? No. She was the artist on a lot of those classic Disney movies. Huh. How do you know that name? Because I love, love her art. Style. I mean, you have to really dig to find her name, or is, no? Was it well she's known? pretty, pretty well known. Huh. If you are interested in that kind of stuff, huh. um, she did art on the Little House, Alice in Wonderland, and Cinderella. Huh. Mary Blair. Uh huh. No, how am I going to go with this now? Mary Blair. Well, you've got any of those Disney things, or yeah. Mary, or <laughs> Blair. Let's go with uh, the Jungle Book. Ooh. That's a good Phil one. Phil Harris has yep. got his voice in there and other Absolutely. people we like. So yeah. The Jungle Book. Jungle Book. Okay. Since you're t- doing The Jungle Book, I'm going to do Escape. That show, old-time okay. radio show, because it's all about going off to these 
exotic places. Okay. And a, I see a lot why. of them were had to do with the jungle. Okay. Escape. And you're not giving me much to go on there because I know the show Escape, but I don't associate it with any particular yeah, person. Yeah, I suppose you're right. That's kind That's of, okay. Um, kind of wide open. Another show that I kind of think about with that one, Escape, Lights Out, um, mm-hmm. Inner Sanctum maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Lights Out. Okay. Because I just think that's it's the cool premise that yeah. you're, you're supposed to turn your lights off and listen yeah. to the scary show. If you dare, lights out, everybody. Who was the announcer in that? Was that Arch Obler? Was it? That always got me confused because didn't he have his own? I'm oh, going to look up He's going to look it up in the Almanac. According to the Almanac. The Encyclopedia of Old Time Radio. Yeah, everybody. Dunning's book. Lights Next. out. Writer was Willis Cooper. Willis Cooper, Creator. That's right. Yeah, I'm wrong on that. Arch Obler is mentioned here, though. Director. Oh, yeah. Willis Cooper until May of 1936, then Arch Obler. So Arch Obler was, it was he wasn't huh. the creator of this, but he, would, he okay. did it for years and years. Yeah. What did we start with again on this? I think we started with that song written by Phil Spector, right? Spanish Harlem. Yeah. Okay. And right um, now we're on Lights Out. How are we going to get there? <laughs> we don't have to get there. No, but it's always kind of fun. I mean, we could jump off the carousel now. I hey, think. we are like, you know, in a, if it were a baseball <laughs> game, you can't, you're not going to hit a home run every time. Sometimes you swing and yeah. miss and you're out. And that might be what happens. Lights this time. out. <laughs> but it well, was still kind of fun. We never picked so, our things for next, next week. Next time, yeah, let's yeah. do it. Hope I don't pick up E. Michael Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> Here he goes. Choose something from the can. The coffee can. I've got oh Bonzo Dog Band. Good. I think it's I'll, I'll embrace that. I love I love the Bonzo Dog Band. You're the one. So it'll be a challenge to kind of condense it down to five minutes or whatever. Right. You know, yeah. I picked the White Album. The White Album. So we have the Beatles and the Bonzo Dog Band. The Beatles and the Bonzos. Is that too many? Yeah, let's too many do rock it. bands. Let's do it. We're gonna All do right. it. Yep. In fact, it's too bad you didn't pick Magical Mystery Tour because Ooh. the Bonzo Dog Band was on Ooh. in that movie. But wow. anyway, there we go. Good. We're set up for next yeah. time. Yeah. Bonzo Dog Band and the Beatles' White Album. Yes. Huh. Interesting. Well, fun. <laughs> Good. All right. Well. All right. Good work. Be shoveling off. <laughs> yes. <laughs>